0: Welcome to Don't Be Sorry, Be Giles, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. This week's episode is Season 3, Episode 12, Helpless. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. We'll be talking about rites of passage and David Fury. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, and possibly uh, comics and, you know, other shows and movies. We here at Beat Me Pod have tiny flaws at our cores, but we promise not to use them to hypnotize and drug you. Hello! It's another week. We're back. We've been back. You're back. I'm back. I'm here with my my co-host. My name's Kelly. Also, there's Stacia. Stacia, say hi. Hi. Daniel, say hi. Just
1: waiting for the ice show.
0: Uh, aren't we all? The ice show in our heart that Hank will never take us to. So sad. Isn't it? It is really sad. Do we ever see him again? Hank? Uh, no, I think that was. Don't oh, no, no, he's in a Normal Again. Or that's not yeah. what it's called. It's not called that.
1: A new normal? New me? Well, maybe
0: it is called Normal Again.
1: Yeah. I think Normal, normal again. again. So yeah. that's the only In Season time. 6. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, and he's only there. Season 6? I thought this was that one. In a hallucination. Season. But yeah, no, we do not see Hank Summers. We haven't seen him. I mean, there's quarterly two, reports. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Helpless. So we're here to talk about episode 12 season three originally aired 1999 that was the year january the month 19 the date <laughs> written by david fury uh, second of many episodes for him the first being go fish which he co-wrote with his wife ellen hampton
1: unfortunately
0: yeah uh this is definitely a step up for sure uh the next episode he'll do will be choices directed by james contner fourth of 20 for the show last one he did was Revelations, unfortunate. Uh, the next one will also be Choices. So I think David Fury and James Conner actually pair up quite a bit. Yes. Um, he, James Conner is actually the only person to direct a finale that wasn't Joss Whedon. He directs season mm-hmm. six's Grave. Who wrote that? David Fury. What's up? So, What's up? A pretty important person, apparently, if yeah. he gets a finale. Conner also did Primeval, which you could kind of count as a season four finale since Restless is... Not Coda Yeah, so yeah. So. We already wrapped up the the season arc and everything. So, yeah. uh, what uh, what happened in this episode? A lot.
1: Well, the yeah, ice show. Uh,
0: did, famously did not happen. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. Uh, good try though. This episode is it's a lot of emotion, a lot of tension, and it um, we start out everything seems pretty normal, and Buffy uh, is hanging out with Giles, and then she just kind of zones out for a while. I don't remember what the very very first scene of this episode is clearly. What is the very, Oh Buffy and Angel, there. Right. Start out with Buffy and Angel Fank Fanky Panky? Fake hanky panky. Fanky panky. You Got it. Boom. Um so they're Fanky Panky. I you hate it. panky. Yeah. Screepy beak. No. 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 I'm on, We're not doing I'm that. On this side now. that. Yes! Uh, <laughs> Screepy is great. Thank Panky. Yeah. Um uh, you know, realizing that their relationship can't actually be consummated. Uh, as David Fury puts it A lot it, of energy, that mm-hmm. can't be A lot of bread energy, big bread energy <laughs> uh, Then we go to see Giles and Buffy hanging out Giles has, has a collection of pretty rocks that he's showing Buffy And uh, one of them makes her kind of zone out And uh, then we cut to a scene at her in the playground Getting her butt kicked by a vampire She almost gets staked with her own steak How embarrassing She goes to tell Giles, hey something is definitely up uh i can't fight throwing knives at, and they're falling down and things are bad giles assures her everything is okay um buffy continues to to falter and not have any coordination doesn't have any super strength doesn't have anything uh it turns out that there's this thing called the cruciamentum which is this fucked up test that all slayers have to go to when they turn 18 arbitrarily for no fucking reason uh and buffy is now embroiled in that test unbeknownst to her. But throughout the courses of the episode, we find out that uh, or Buffy finds out Giles is the one that has done this to her, uh, to her dismay. She is absolutely, utterly betrayed. Uh, and she is forced to face the vampire Kralik in this old dusty house somewhere. Oh, it's on a street. Prescott. Got a new street.
2: We do have a new yeah.
0: street. <laughs> <laughs> That'll come up later. Uh, and he's a not just a vampire, but a psychotic vampire who instead of doing the normal i'm just gonna kill you thing captures joyce brings her to the decrepit house on prescott i want to say lane and uh buffy has to go and save joyce and defeat kralik which she does without her powers by getting him to imbibe holy water against his knowledge opposed to his knowledge outside of his knowledge what's how do i a vernacular anyway he drinks it he dies buffy gets her powers back as presumably uh but not until the next episode uh And nothing will ever really be the same. This is a huge episode in that it sets off a bunch of courses of events. Also, Giles gets fucking fired. That's a huge thing, which causes Wesley to be a person. Wesley to be on Angel, a huge character. Uh, It also makes Buffy and... This is the first real strain on Buffy and Giles' relationship. And they'll never 100% recover. I mean, by the end of the... In the eighth season, they're completely estranged. And it's like, this is the very first moment where... That, that trust is, is like, kind of shattered. A um, couple of uh, firsts in this episode, as, like I mentioned. Um, oh, I forgot to bring up the council. I just said the crucial momentum, but it's fine, yeah. Uh, a couple of firsts in this episode, the first appearance of anybody from the council that wasn't Giles or Miss Post, although Miss Post wasn't actually part of the council at the time she showed up. Anyway, uh, Buffy, as I mentioned, nearly gets staked by her own stake. Uh, that will happen, actually happened to her in... Uh, Full for love. She there's like a nasty old rocker vampire that stabs her right in the stomach, which causes her to go talk to Spike. Um, holy water kill. We never see that again before or after, which is pretty neat. And I wish there was more of a way to integrate that, but I don't know how. What situation would come up that a vampire would unknowingly drink holy water again? So, um, and the first time that Buffy's ever been completely powerless, she's definitely been MIA for an episode. Like even going back far back as the witch when she had the spell cast upon her by amy's mom and she was kind of out of it and then uh the famously killed by death she wasn't powerless she was just sick you know so (laughs) uh some fun facts so the original title for this working or working title was 18 not very creative Mm -hmm. um zachary kralik is the actual name of david fury's nephew uh the this episode was originally going to have instead of kralik being the bad guy uh, Buffy the cruciamentum was going to be her having a hallucination of some kind where she imagined all of her friends and family turning into vampires and then was going to have to deal with that somehow which I don't really know how that would work so I understand why it kind of got scrapped but also the wish happened so they were like we already did that little fantasy of what if Willow and Xander were vampires Uh, and Christine Sutherland refused to do the vampire makeup so
2: (laughs) of course she did (laughs) that did not happen Joyce
0: Always a buzzkill. Yeah, but I mean, I I can understand. I bet it's not comfortable to sit like that for a long time. But I think it would be fun. I would love to fucking do (laughs) that. I want to see myself as a vampire too. I think it would be rad. Um, So not a whole lot of episodes in this show have commentary. Um, That meaning, like one of the writers or actors does DVD commentary. Remember that? Remember DVDs, guys? So they used to do DVD commentaries. What is a DVD? A DVD is a digital video disc. It's oh. like a coaster for your yeah. Drink. Nice. Imagine Shining. a shiny metal, not metal plastic coaster that you put into something and it makes pictures and sounds. Did
1: you guys ever watch Family Guy? Not Family Guy. Shit. Uh, Smart Guy. Did you guys ever watch Smart Guy on Disney Channel? Yes,
0: that was the T and Tamara spinoff, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it was their brother in real life. I don't know I don't who know. this guy is, but yeah, a whole. Storyline was the creation of DVDs. We're he coming? created he helped create one of the DVD players mm. and at the time they were like 2000 okay. dollars you know, because they were brand new technology. Right, right. So in that show, they're like, we got ourselves a DVD player. Whoa, look what? at this disc. Oh, this thing's two thousand dollars. What? And now it's like trash. I got
0: the mail room at DVD electronics. <laughs> <laughs> Professionally speaking, exactly what do we do here? <laughs> we make DVDs
1: digital video discs? Well, it's like a movie on video, but instead of a cassette, it's on this. Ah, oh, thank you. You've been a big help. By the way, I'm Marcus, and you are... Too old for you. <laughs> Not in Europe. If I may, sir, the mathematical problem is one of motion compensation. We are really, really close here.
0: No, we're really, really not.
1: Isn't there anyone in that entire room who has a fresh idea on how to
0: solve this problem?
2: You could use a better methodology for your FFTs.
0: Who said that?
2: The
1: little kid in the funny hat, sir.
0: Will that work?
1: Sure. It just seems to me that you could do it with the more elegant sine cosine transformation to handle the motion
0: compensation problem. Remember Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> now DVDs are included as a, an aside to an ex, like a, an Xbox. like, oh, yeah, also it'll play DVDs, I guess, if you have to. Yeah. But you have to
1: download this thing first. Well, it's even like with vinyls. You buy a nice vinyl, it's like, we'll throw in the fucking CD and a digital code yeah, for it. Yeah, no we'll one throw, wants like, this. No one wants this crap. But yeah. sure, you can have it all.
0: <laughs> so this episode actually had a, a DVD commentary from David Fury. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, um, some insights that he relayed throughout the commentary. Um, and we'll kind of just... Have our conversation revolve around that. What happened in this episode? We'll talk about our friends and everything through the lens of David Fury's DVD commentary. I got the mustard out. That is right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. David Fury of I got the mustard. They they got the mustard out.
1: They got out. the mustard out. He didn't. No. <laughs> they no. did. They did. That's why I'm so happy.
0: <laughs> so. uh there's, I really enjoyed listening to this because it was great to see kind of the writing process that they go to, not see, but here, Uh, the writing process they go through, not only that, but um, some insights on the Joss Whedon's thought process and just some practical things like effects or um, why a plot is structured the way it is. This was great because it kind of um, cemented for me things I already thought, like uh, the crystals thing he's like I didn't really know anything about crystals but I did some research into the occult for the crystals and most of it I made up but some of it was true and I was like that is the that is how they write the show and that, I think that's how anybody has to write right I mean like I know I give everybody a hard time continuity la 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 right but hearing him talk about it I was like okay what the fuck else are you gonna do you're trying to tell a story you're like I kind of got to make it at least plausible otherwise what's the point so yeah I know a little enough about crystals I guess but fuck it mostly I'm gonna make it up to suit my head uh, the playground scene is actually the same scene as, or set as the cemetery, one of the cemeteries that they use. Mm-hmm. They just redressed it they had, he said he had they have a you pretty small tell. sound I stage tell, yeah. that they kind of reuse for everything they need as far as an exterior set.
1: Where did Buffy get that rain jacket she was fighting? Did you guys notice that when she was fighting the vampire in the
0: Oh the like the blue thing? Was it blue? Like,
1: she was just wearing a huge rain jacket. <laughs> I don't know, as if she brought it from home.
0: I mean, she might have. She's they never have always have worn anything have like that before. So it's many so coats. Big. So many coats. All they have is coats. For Southern California, all they have is coats. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, he really enjoyed writing for Seth Green and he was sad. It's interesting, this is taking place, all of the DVD extras and DVD commentary and stuff is actually happening real time during season five of oh. the show. Um, so curious as we go on what it's going to sound like once we get to season 6 and 7 because he's like trying to remember what all happened while he's relaying it and stuff and he's like oh Mm. man (laughs) I'm just writing for Seth Green and cruciamentum was another thing that he was like I don't know I looked up a Latin word (laughs) cruciamentum. he's like it means torture or something I don't know apparently it does mean torture or torment Cruciamentum is not easy for Slayer or Watcher but it's been done this way for a dozen centuries whenever Slayer turns 18 it's a time honored rite of passage. It's an archaic exercise in cruelty. To lock her in this tomb. Weakened, defenseless. To unleash that on her. Um and let's this will be a great point to talk about the cruciamentum and what it is. So this is a, an insidious test of highs by the council to put their slayer in unnecessary danger as if she doesn't face that already every day, and possibly kill her for the sake of making sure she's a good slayer as if her being alive isn't testament to that enough but a rite of passage is not uh specific to buffy that happens obviously every all lots of cultures throughout history and i was wondering stacia if you could tell us about some interesting rites of passage
2: so you're right rites of passage um and coming of age traditions are something that every culture has we have the idea of like a sweet 16 I think the U.S. in general has some like common ones that you see over and over again specifically that, the quinceañera that you get for a Latino girls mm-hmm. turning 15, they have a big party where they wear a huge dress, they are re-baptized and they have a dance with their dad all very sweet, it's all supposed to be very lavish and also um, bar and bat mitzvahs for Jewish mm-hmm. children as they're growing up
0: did you know it used to only be bar mitzvahs they made bat mitzvahs a thing in like the 50s because all organized religion hates women I know it's a blanket statement, but it's fucking true. Anyway, it is true. Didn't you? I actually didn't know there was one for girls.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd talk about some coming of age traditions that I think are particularly interesting or fun. My favorite one that I've always liked is Rumspringa. Oh, yeah. Which is celebrated by Amish um, children, Youth once you turn 16. Up to 25, you have the right to leave your community that you've grown up in and experience the greater world. And for some of these Amis, Amish people, that means getting a DVD player and buying something Boy. from Forever 21. Look out. Other ones, it means doing super... Hard drugs. Hard mm-hmm. drugs and a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everyone... Does whatever they want to do. It's wrong, sure. But you have until you turn 26 to then be baptized, to go back to your community and be baptized into your faith. Yeah, it's you, 10 years? Yeah, or you have. you can, have,
1: in between that time. You can,
2: yeah, any time during that period. But once you turn 26, if you, you haven't recommitted, back, can't? you can't come back. You're ostracized. I didn't realize I had that long. But the idea is that um, I mean, most of them don't leave for ten years straight.
0: Oh yeah, no, I get that, that, but like, I didn't. like, time really, yeah. period to but like go. is
1: really young. That doesn't really apply yeah. anymore. It's
2: like you're. Gonna it's do like later. they'll take like some trips yeah. out or whatever. But um, the idea is that Rumspring is supposed to help you recognize that the church is not a requirement. It's a devotion that you make. It's a choice that you make. And they hope that once you see the greater world, you realize you know the spirituality of the Amish people and their community is more important than. You know the, I don't sex, know. drugs, and violence. Yes, sex, drugs, and <laughs> violence of the greater, greater world. Um, the next one is land diving. Which what is I'm sorry. Land diving. Oh wait,
0: I do know about this. Uh, it's you're gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh well, they like there's this group of indigenous people somewhere that build this, t- this giant tower. Like they build it out of sticks and shit, yeah. and then they make it like four and five stories high and then somebody makes a takes a bungee cord made out of vines and straps it to the, these young men and if they don't die <laughs> then uh, they're men cool yeah
2: yep that pretty much sums it up it's um Vanuatu it's a tiny little island in the South Pacific um kind of in the same areas like the Maldives and um Fiji Tahiti that area you know off the coast of Australia well. But yeah, so basically it's a coming of age tradition specifically for boys turning to men. And they'll start doing this from the age of seven or eight in short towers but they will just continue to do it where they... you Gotta work up to it. They, Towers upon they, towers upon towers. And you should like Google this, you guys, because these towers are not what you're thinking of, which I I was thinking of was like straight and tall, made out of timber. It's made out of sticks and it looks like that kid's game where the sticks are everywhere and you try to pull them away but not let the balls fall yeah. through. Oh. It's called like kerplunk or kerplunk, something. yeah yes. That's nice. it. Yeah, it looks like that, okay. but I guess you crawl up and then, yeah, you tie a vine to your ankle and... Jump off of it. There's uh, no other safety equipment, no helmets, nothing else. Vines, by the way, unlike bungee cords, do not stretch. So if you miscalculate the length of the vine, you're likely to just throw yourself onto the ground. I love
1: that this is an indictment upon the person dying, saying you're not gonna, you're not good enough to be a man. Whereas it's really an indictment on the person who,
2: who set this all up <laughs> yes. and did all of that
1: because yes. you're a piece of shit. And um, killed yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So wow. um, it's supposed to symbolize wow. boys growing into. Men and the ending of their childhood. Yeah. Or the ending of their life. According to the Guinness World Records, the G force experienced by those at the like lowest point of the jump is the highest G point G force you can experience in the non industrialized world. Like without race okay. cars, yeah, yeah. that's like the fastest you'll ever go. So you're that it's, high, is yeah. Oh, yeah that you're stories high. That's and wild. so now it's still done. It's become a tourist attraction, so you can oh, go Jesus. to Vanuatu and pay $120 to watch
1: Let That's fine.
2: indigenous men throw oh. themselves off a tower. Watch them not be a part of it. No. Oh, oh no. that's fucked up. It's against the rules. You, Being, you are not allowed to jump. The, if you're watching,
1: you're part of it. No, Don't toss them off. <laughs> No toss them tourists want
2: to and the government has said no, this is a sacred tradition, it means something to our people Just and you're not also it's a liability. But we will
0: take your money. <laughs> but we will take your money. Oh, that's so it
2: fine. used to be done annually, now it's done monthly so every tourist can uh, make this a part of their <laughs> island
0: vacay. <laughs> Amazing. More yes. opportunities for death is all we want. Okay, so how do you know if one's oar is dirty? Somebody come by with a finger and write Wash Me on it? Should have double checked my vine math. <laughs> Not my fault.
1: Yeah, you should have checked it, <laughs> dummy. Vine
0: math,
2: the most important math. God. All right, I have two on the SATs? more.
0: Sorry, <laughs> vine <laughs> math.
2: The next one is called Ukuli Bula. This is in southern Ethiopia. There's an indigenous tribe that lives there. um... And essentially, the men will jump over cows completely naked four times during a huge celebration that they have to symbolize the fact that they are now men and ready to wed. If you cannot jump over your cow, Mm. you cannot get married. Well,
0: (laughs) you got to have a standard. (laughs) That's a standard.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's literally... I mean, they have a lot of other stuff, but that's like the big deal is jumping over a cow. Yeah, uh, That's
1: fucking hard. Can you... uh, Anybody who's ever been next to a cow—that seems impossible. How do you jump over a cow? Cows are fucking huge.
2: They are. I think it's like a like a jump climb. Like you jump a onto the vaulting? back oh. instead of like oh. so you're like jumping on the back, doing like a couple hops on the cow. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's videos if you want to go. You can go jump over a cow. See. That's
1: amazing
2: that's how you know you found a good husband yeah. ladies don't marry men that cannot jump over a cow naked a- agreed, agreed by the way oh, it has to be, be a true. male cow that has been castrated okay other cows will not do super important.
0: oxen only yes satisfied
1: i'm not sure that's the word
2: the final one comes to you from the brazilian amazon it is a indigenous tribe again called the Cetere mawe But do you know what the Brazilian Amazon also has?
0: Lots of deadly shit. But oh, continue. Lots so of deadly shit.
2: Bullet ants. Yeah. Nice. So oh, wow. this is again a coming of age. A lot of these were for men. Most of the sure. women's ones were like, "You're bleeding and you're a woman now." Yeah, whatever. So easy. The, the men, the men, the men's ones are like, we're gonna scare the boyhood out of you by
0: completely <laughs> traumatizing you. you. Yeah.
2: Yes. Um. So this is basically the theme of this uh, rite of passage. Basically, they go into the forest and they collect bullet ants. Bullet ants, it, for those of you that don't know, are ants that live in the Amazon. They grow up to be about an inch long, and there is a pain skill that was created by someone named Schmidt. Hey. <laughs> Um, that goes from one to four to like judge how painful a bug's bite is. A bullet ant is a four plus, oh, so wow. higher than the scale.
0: Wow. It should have had is, more numbers. I'm just gonna yes. I mean, throw it yeah. out there. Yes. So
2: it's the um, bullet ant sting is described as incapacitating. It hurts for at least 12 hours, sometimes four, comes with paralysis and like tingling. It said, pure, intense, brilliant pain, like fire walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch rusty nail in your hair. That's how Schmidt described this. Wow. It's awful. And they're just... It's called a bullet ant because people say it hurts as much as being shot by a bullet. Yeah. I just wanted to set the stage for you. <laughs> so, what we That's do best. is we go out into the, into the jungle, we collect these bullet ants, and we... Oh, um, put them to sleep in a special like herbal mixture that makes Hmm. them sleep and then we weave them into gloves and we wait for about an hour for the ants to wake up and then young boys (laughs) will then put their hands into the gloves and wait for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. immediately being stung the entire time and they will not cry because it's a sign of like weakness right and not only is doing this once enough they will do it 20 times over the course of a year to prove their manhood do they have to yes oh my god yeah so that's what uh they do that's wild um to finally like complete their initiation into manhood the uh, people in the tribe say it's a great way to you know fuck up your hands yes but to also show men that like they need to learn how to withstand pain and not cry and like be strong and take care of your family and, but yeah,
1: yeah withstand like tons of gunshot wounds at the yes. same like you're fifty cent <laughs> like, yeah that's a prerequisite to be a man
2: is getting shot
1: oh hundreds God. of
0: times yeah is that um, like dangerous I, I thought if you got stung enough by certain uh, animals like certain insects that you could die at the volume of like even ants did I make that up not I mean, like bullet
2: I didn't reading this I didn't hear or find any information saying that it could like, be
0: potentially lethal it could be potentially
2: lethal but I do think like if your body experiences enough trauma it could you have go shot. into shock
0: yeah okay yeah. that's all I was thinking
2: yeah,
0: yeah. but and, that just means you're weak
2: yeah exactly. it does mean you're simple. weak men don't go into shock <laughs> simple.
1: simple cast them aside <laughs> toss them off in the woods it's all good yeah
0: um, um, yeah. Gosh. So a
1: lot of them are for men So it's, it's yeah. interesting with the Slayers Because Slayers are all women Until right, so we get yeah. to yeah. some comic stuff It's interesting that we would have a, a woman Go through
0: this right? And the Crucial Mentum is meant less to be Thank you very much yes, for that maybe. informative oh, okay. yes, of <laughs> <laughs> uh, The Crucial Mentum is meant to be Less of a physical challenge than a, a mental one right? Because the whole thing is you're stripping That power, that, the strength right. Which is what the Slayer is known for Is that super strength You're taking that away, so what do you have left? And uh, Buffy, the the theme time time again tends to be your friends. Well, you don't even have that. Yeah. It, no friends, no powers. What do you have? And the
1: person that you trusted the most has betrayed you. Yeah, I see that you're all betrayal. sounds yes. nothing but
0: betrayal. That's. I mean, that's the whole theme of this episode is yeah. deception and betrayal, and it's uh, it's really tough. The so the cruciamentum was made by the council, um, and I think I may have spoken this about this before, but there's not as much lore as I want. But the lore that we have, obviously, is the Shadow Men back in Africa who created the first Slayer by taking this whole of a demon and putting it into Sinea, the first Slayer. Uh, And the council seems to have evolved out of those, the first three Shadow Men. Um, They, at some point in history, took up residence in the old England. And that's kind of where they said they also had hubs in other places. After the destruction of the main council headquarters in season seven, um, they were mostly... Uh, disbanded but there was still a few pockets a lot of their stuff got absorbed into the slayer network that buffy heads um the, their practices and stuff like that and then after the seat of magic is destroyed at the end of season eight uh the council is officially disbanded and then like ceases to exist however in the year is it 21 something or 2300 whenever Frey takes place um there are still pockets of council members but they're all crazy zealots like they're just like oh this this is a like this something Im- imbued to them by a god or something that they are the ones that are the keeper of this flame and um in fact when uh malaka Frey is called uh, a, a council member sets himself on fire to send the message of you're the one <laughs> so now i'm dead so what's
1: well, kind of like that is tradition tradition yeah. is a strong thing and especially if you're lacking it. So, you know, you don't have any structures in society. You don't have any way to measure certain things. And if you are a certain way and have a certain mindset, these things appeal very directly to you. So resurrecting things from the past is totally part of the course. So oh, like yeah. making the council a thing again and wanting to be like the head of it or a part of it right. m- means you're, yeah. secret societies are always interesting for people because they want to be part of them. Illuminati.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, getting back to David Fury, he has a, he likes fun names, like, uh, our boy, Mike Sure, who loves funny names. Um, so Quentin Travers came from Quentin Crisp, who was, uh, who was an English writer, raconteur, and actor. Um, he died in 1999. And Pamela Lyndon Travers, who, uh, wrote Mary Poppins, along with other stuff. So, that's where Quentin Travers come from. But he also, with the Zachary Kralik thing, um... Being his nephew. He likes G and K sounds. He said, if you'll notice, we like to make a lot of demons with G and K names. Because I think they're the funnest. (laughs) I was like... Wow. That's true. And I appreciate that. Big fun. Big fun. Um, David Fury says they try to juggle a lot the stories they have going on. Which is interesting because I think that they fail at that. But he was mentioning specifically about bringing Amy up again. Being like, oh yeah, she's out there. Maybe one day we'll derat her. And I was like, you do. You'll get there, buddy. So... I think that they, I, I must believe him that they do think about all these things, that they do have it going on in their minds, but there's only so much they can write. He later talks about Josh Whedon how Quentin Travers specifically, he wanted to be more of a thing. He wanted him to be more of like a father figure for Giles. He was supposed to be like this the grandfather coming in, this early grandfather, like, you will do what the family demands and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of has that a little bit just because he's a dick and he's saying you're going to do what the council wants you to do because that's your job. Yeah. Um, but Josh, Joss. Josh, Josh, I got it. But Josh said no because there wasn't really a lot of time, and it's about Buffy, right? It's about yeah. Buffy and Giles, and I get that. Me I, and David Fury apparently really wanted to do more stories about the Council, and I think you fucking could have. We could have skipped the Initiative season and just done a season about the Council. Yeah. That would have been great and really interesting. So on the one hand, while I understand maybe in an episode, it's tough to do that arc of a character, like make this connection with Giles that isn't actually there uh, or try to build up this backstory of a character that we don't know at all and that just have him go away immediately. But I think that there was certainly room to do that, to explore that next season. I mean, all you had to do was plant the seed right now. Like That's Quentin Travers. He's out there in the world. The council is a real thing, not just this amorphous blob we talk about in theory. Uh, And then made... God, that would have been fucking season four Well, I, I love they, season four but the initiative oh my god
1: they they solve that with Wolfram and Hart like yeah, we, yeah. we definitely you have them not only as a low boil but they're always there they're just constantly showing up when you think they're not there or whatever and I think if that was the council in this it would have been way more effective yeah because mm-hmm. it's really fun it's cool and I'm not hating on Quentin Travers but I know that motherfucker doesn't come back so it's like this is stupid I hate you it oh, comes there's back once there's nothing to do with yeah
0: in like season six or something Five, yeah yeah but that's about it. I yeah. want it. I don't, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I was interesting to learn that David Fury didn't. Uh, he wrote the scene between Buffy and Angel. The um, the take my heart and warm it with your own. He he wrote a version of that scene, but his he said with the exception of the very opening of him of uh, Buffy getting receiving the book from Angel, the rest was completely rewritten by uh, Joss or party Joss or possibly uh, David Greenwald, who was the co showrunner at the time. Uh, he said that he had a really hard time writing scenes for the two of them, and got better over time. But it was almost always Joss, and then later Marty that ended up doing any of those. Th- I mean, she, he'll, he won't be on the show for a while. But um, it's it's interesting to think that you can know these characters so well, but then he's just like, I'm a comedy writer. I can't. That's beautiful. Are taken literally, incredibly gross. I was just thinking that too. As i I like learning more about the crew and the writers and everything because you can really tell. Like, oh, David Fury kind of wrote that and and what that looks like. So it's neat to learn that he's a comedy guy. And if it's if it's mushy love stuff, it's probably Joss or Marty Noxon. um Other illuminating stuff about Joss Whedon. And I'm gonna try to not be so cynical when I talk about this. But um, so he his favorite scene in the sh- the episode Joss Whedon that is. Was Buffy running powerless through the streets, screaming for for help? He just loved the mm-hmm. idea of putting her in that position, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, not viewing it as a cynical person, like I I too this that's why my, my epi- this is such a uh, favorite episode of mine is because of we're making Buffy vulnerable, not the specific idea of putting a woman in a spot where she's likely to be harmed, but the idea of Buffy having to you know just being her powers taken away. But yeah, you can't hear that and not take it the way that it sounds. Which is, I love seeing women in trouble. <laughs> I love seeing women about to be attacked. Um, another one just wasn't oh, good. It's another. Josh. It's another like, uh, like I
1: love the idea of Angel and Buffy talking, and it's about to snow, and he's going to kill himself. All of the, all of the things are so heightened that it, like, I get why you like it. Mm-hmm. The same thing with that. I get why you like the theory, <laughs> but it was, it sucked. That sucked. Yeah. That was not fun to watch. It yeah. wasn't yeah. interesting. It was dumb. It was yeah. contrived. How did he find her? All that stuff was so dumb. I fucking hated all of it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Run to the big intersection over there in the corner. Don't get hit by a fucking car. It's really not that hard. Run. Run.
2: <laughs> well, it was irritating on a lot of levels because no one helped her. No one helped her. <laughs> that, Everyone ignored her. That
1: car. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. You almost slammed into her. What an oh, amazing yeah. Like, yeah. scene. Like, Who was even driving that? Just on a stunt level. It was amazing
0: like yeah. it like jerked out at like the last second I, how did they do that i would have been amazing. convinced that she would have got like i wouldn't have done that shit yeah. that person was not gonna fucking stop are you kidding absolutely and then hearing... she just instead
1: of running stood in this just stood until giles saved her yeah it's horrible
0: but
2: yeah hearing that joss thought that was his favorite scene i feel like underlines the problem i have with this episode which is he liked to see buffy and helpless situation yes. But the thing that I thought was interesting about it was really just one line when she was like, maybe my calling's a wrong number, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to feel about that. And I thought that was a lot more interesting, because we have years of her being like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then the moment it's taken away from her, and she's like, actually, I think I do, though. Like, I don't know how to not be the Slayer anymore.
0: Angel, if I'm not the Slayer, what do I do? What do I have to offer? Why would you like me?
2: But it's completely then like, and then we're over it. And also she's helpless still. <laughs> That's a great point. A weak, lot of, blonde girl. A lot
1: of great, like like you even alluded to. Like there's so many really fun breaks in this episode. But it's not a memorable enough episode to like encapsulate it all. I don't think this is a good episode of TV. I think that it's carried by Sarah Michelle Geller and Anthony Stewart Head. If it wasn't for the two of them, this is one of the worst episodes of the show. And But it's funny because so much is important. Like I think your point right there, bringing up that she was going to give all this away and that she wants to keep doing it. And the fact that there's going to be this irrevocable break over, over the course of the whole show are all sort of encapsulated here awkwardly Mm -hmm. in this episode. That's completely forgettable, but the storylines are indelible, weird, fucking weird. And maybe that's why Joss likes it because while you're sitting around in a writer's room, this becomes like a really pivotal moment, but man, I don't know. doesn't really play off on the screen
0: at Well, all apparently, if it wasn't for those two actors uh in the original draft of the script that david fury made he wanted the firing to happen in the second act like basically right when quentin oh. gets there like the some, she finds out or you know it's well, he could
1: have fired him right when uh they were in the room together when he was getting the cup of tea or whatever right like, yeah. oh, i'm
0: leaving and he's like you're fired
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that would have been a little more effective. This isn't business. Because then Giles is like, well, I could just leave. But of course he wouldn't because we know he won't. And then he saves the day. But yeah, he's fired. And then that doesn't change.
0: That would have been a lot better. Mm -hmm. See, I disagree. I don't Because the reason why Joss Joss is the one who changed it is because that, that moment is huge. I think that's what you need to leave with. like. Because everything's still up in the air, Buffy is still powerless in that moment. She just like finished this terrible ordeal. It's like, oh yeah, one last gutting thing. Giles, you're fired by. I don't
1: know. It's huge as a story plot point, but it would have been better. I
0: don't if it know did that before. it's gutting.
2: I never found it that way. It was actually I mean,
1: weirdly ungutting. Yeah, like she didn't really. No one cared.
2: I mean, he. Charles has always been irrelevant to the council, right? He's like, must the Cotswolds, like I, I love the rowing or whatever. Like he's sad he's not invited, and we've already talked about how it's yeah. so frustrating. Like he's the watcher of the Slayer, no one cares. So for them to just unceremoniously fire him, of course they would. They don't care about him anyways.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that just as I, a plot point, it's good. But no, I don't think – you can say it's fine where it was, but it would have been just as fine in the middle of the second act because in the end, the plot point was important. Firing Giles was great because Wesley's introduction was fine. But what didn't matter? Which, what what? I think if
0: he got fired in the second act, but Buffy didn't know until the end. Totally. That would be that would be cool because then it would be like yet another yeah. example of how Giles is doing this because he loves Buffy, not because yeah. 100 oh, yeah. percent, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, she can't know until right, the end. okay, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking. I think just because like that was heaped onto Buffy is how I was looking at it, not necessarily in the, as the character of Giles or the other pieces in the. the
1: and episode. this is another point where you could have had Giles uh, because we have the crazy scary like um, horror music essentially when he was drugging her mm-hmm. and. and oh, Oh my God, that
0: smile. Anthony head. Jesus Christ. And we're
1: supposed to believe that he, he actually does care and he doesn't really like this and all of that. But if he got fired in the second act and maybe made it seem like he was going to leave and like, oh, this is a mm. chance for me to start over. I can leave for good. Then maybe his showing up at the place, saving Buffy, you know, when he comes back or whenever, when he shows up, would have been a, I mean, it would have been predictable, of course, because we know Giles. But it still would have been somewhat a surprise because mm-hmm. we knew Giles was going to show up. We knew mm-hmm. he was going to save the day in whatever way he was going to. Yeah. But at least you could have had a thread.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, did I zone out
1: on you? Just I'm nursing that flu bug. It's
0: best to take care of that. Perhaps we should um...
1: call it a night. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks. Good night. Um, and I think this episode had a ton of moments like that. I mean, I brought it up before when we were talking about Joyce. A simple little thing like her uh, tapping our bad guy um, when she. Oh when but right, was, when la- he's on the doorstep. When he was laying on the doorstep, how Joyce is a bad mom alert doesn't know the outline of her daughter's body, <laughs> so goes yeah. over there She'd and be like
2: way bigger than Buffy, right? Come yeah. on, nice. Be like there's no way that coat
1: is not the size of this guy. But either way, I I I, the the moment she walked out there, I thought she was gonna go and say, Come inside. Just say to this amorphous, come inside. And then when he turns around and it's him, run inside because that's where the safety is. Right. But to have him wake up, you know, get up and be like, Oh, you just invited me inside, whoops. That would have been way more menacing. That would have been way more menacing. And it would have been thought that's what was
2: gonna happen too. Because the
1: moment Joyce knows enough, she knows the rules enough. That when she saw that it was not Buffy underneath there, trouble. Yeah, run inside. You have to at this point. You have to know
0: at this point. And
1: she does know the rule, and so I think that was a huge, like little tiny missed opportunity, but I think Mm -hmm. really adds up. It adds up over time.
0: David Fury on Joyce. I love writing for Joyce. She keeps the show grounded. Hmm. (laughs) I I see why they think that. I see why they think that. Well, because he he uh, backed that up by saying the whole show. It's like. Buffy and her mom against the world it's supposed to be you know but it, it's not really like it's
1: they had an idea somebody somebody was sitting around they were all drinking smoking whatever they were doing somebody said hey wouldn't it be really cool to have a room full of polaroids let's base an episode around that that's literally it was for the shot well it was, so it was for the shot it's that funny shot that
0: you was- say that because at the very beginning of the episode he's like oh the polaroids was that my idea I think it was my idea. And then later in the episode, was like, yeah, the Polaroids were my idea. I don't remember where I got that from yeah. though. <laughs> so. Some random serial killer movie yeah. he
1: watched. I had no problem with like, um, writing something for a shot like that because it was stunning. It was a really beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. But it begs the question, how the fuck did this guy get this much film? How the fuck did he that. put it up? What is happening? Oh my God. Because
0: it's, okay, that's, that's let's serial say, killer. Let's shit. Say on the low That's end a hundred a hundred Polaroids with a hundred pieces of That's tape. A yeah, yeah. It's so much. There's there's no this is all taking space and in the same all night, toys? right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all Joyce. How many different poses? They did, show, they did took, show him. Just like click, 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 click. He would have yeah. had to, yeah. yeah.
1: But seriously, after some point, what
0: Walmart like... did he fucking roll up into to get this camera and all this? All... I guess
2: the uh, darker question is: if they weren't all joyous what happened to the other woman? Dun dun
0: dun. A oh. couple more things about Joss. His comments in the episode to David Fury. Uh, this is a quote from David Fury. A lot of the mother things, the mother, not other things. Mother things were Joss. He always likes to write that stuff—sick, twisted mother-son relationships—which we do definitely see in the show over and over again. Most of our male protagonists have bad or non-existent relationships with their mothers. To be fair, all of the Scoobies have terrible relationships with their parents. You know,
1: and I—that was actually fine. Like, yeah. And because I, another thing that made this episode great was our main bad guy. He was great. I love that guy. I don't know who Kralik? he is. Kralik. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's fantastic, and I think just him, like he was funny. Like that was funny when she's like, I don't really like my mom or whatever. Yeah. Just like the whole interaction. there was really great. I yeah. probably was really good for yeah. what it's worth. Like, you know, it was I don't
0: creepy know. And, and it was served a purpose. I just thought it was interesting. It gives you a little more yeah. insight into Joss. We, uh, cause clearly we do the thing with spike in season seven, where he's tormented by his mom. The song she used to sing to him yeah. early one morning, the sun was something brightly shining. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Remember? I do no, remember. I yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, and, and like his, I, I wonder what he, kind of relationship he had with his mom. I only ever remember reading stuff where he's like, my mom was a proud feminist. She was a strong woman. Uh, and she died. Like, See, I think but,
1: like a Freudian reading is so hard because honestly, it, I think it's just playing to kind of easy tropes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, parenting stuff is always really simple. It's just an easy way I mean, to pass Hitchcock
0: off. Hitchcock did it. A lot years of stuff. Ago? Yeah.
1: So, so 80, I, it's that's fine.
0: Right, 40, and just did it. Yeah. Hundreds yeah, of years ago.
1: And yeah, and it's just a thing. So, I mean, I don't think you can really read a personal tale on mm-hmm. on Joss per se, but like, it sells, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's enough people out there that have shitty moms and dads. I mean, and and I think that's probably part of it too. It's like we think of ourselves as shitty mom and dads, and mm-hmm. it's like everything just roils into one big ball. So it's easy to watch something and be like, yeah, man, fuck, fuck my dad, fuck mom, fuck. Yeah. You know, it, that's probably one of the oldest. Yeah, story tropes that there is. It's
0: easy, and yeah. it's effective. I mean, it it's is. creepy quick. Uh, the the cross thing was the other Joss Whedon idea that was added, which was when Kralik's basically having an orgasm when he's touched with the cross. Actually, I do have a date. Older man. Very handsome. Likes it when I call him Daddy. Your father.
1: It is your father, right?
0: He's taking me to the ice show. <sighs> it should be big fun.
1: Ooh, that was rough. that was rough. Yeah. That was rough. <laughs> And that kind of, we talked about the cross just the other day. Is it the person throwing it at? You know, it's the intention. It's like a knife. Mm -hmm. You know, you're pulling it on them. Right. So she pulled the knife on him and he's just like, get that knife right down. (laughs) good stuff. (laughs) Because it's fucking
0: crazy. A little lower. Very,
1: very bad. But also very effective. Mm -hmm. I, I did not hate that as much as I thought I would when it started.
2: It felt it like fun. very much like the Exorcist moment, if you guys have seen that movie. Oh, he doesn't yes. actually
0: like masturbate with a cross Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably what they were going for, because
1: it was such a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something is we got to acknowledge.
2: This is something, yeah, Buffy it was great. creeps into more of a horror space than we see in a lot of episodes.
1: Oh, yeah. Did David Fury mention that? Because this is nothing, he, he didn't have directed, obviously, but like, surely he should have known. This is a horror episode. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is what this is. You are using the tropes of horror. If I was watching this on that shitty 4x3, you know, DVD cut instead of the one that I have, I wouldn't have been able to see anything. Mm -hmm. It's so dark, Mm -hmm. it's so ominous. The music is so good. this is oh, yeah.
0: fantastic. That's why I love it. I think it's, I think Kralik is the most terrifying. I mean, Angel in theory, on screen Angel and theoretical Angel, I think are a little um, different, but he's certainly menacing. But I think Kralik takes it to an actual scary level that yeah. I, you feel more viscerally like, than um, I did with Angel, who's the other scariest villain I can think of because um, I think the Masters. Yeah,
2: the other scariest villain I can think of. I argued. I was like, there's no way Kralig is the scariest. And she was like, no, the moment Kralig can, he kills someone and I'm like, doesn't Angelus? Yeah, sure. It's
1: true. Mm. Yes.
0: Well, it also
1: did other things that horror shows do which is like she had a fucking stake in her hand and then fucking just dropped it and right, kept yeah. running. Mm-hmm. She jumped through a laundry chute. I mean, are we not going to acknowledge another <laughs> moment of someone jumping through something? It's fucking amazing. It just like goes downstairs and like, hey mom how's it going yeah he she had time to pour the holy water which I still don't understand how quote, that
0: happened somehow it's there she put a glass of water and knew he would go for it and drink it don't ask me how it's not so girly ice is cool it's water
1: but it's not Good. Good. That that is some honesty that I'm looking for. Well, and
0: even multiple times throughout the episode, he's like, I definitely wanted this to be terrifying. Like, I wanted more gore and more blood, like, everywhere. I wanted this to look like this fucking guy doesn't just kill you, he tears you apart. Yeah. Uh, But he's like, I can only do so much. Yeah. Specifically, the scene where we get Hob or Blaine or whatever the fuck his name is, and you just see, like, an arm and there's blaze. Like, that was supposed to be, like, everywhere. Like, I blood will say, and...
1: this is the most blood in any episode so far. Yeah. Like, and that moment where Giles goes touches in there and the touches answer. the blood, and that, like, click-click noise, I'll put it underneath, because, like, it's fucking so good, like, click 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 hmm. and just, like, walking through. It's not, like, a snap finger, but it's, like, I don't know what it is, it's just, like, a click click, click
0: very scary and then obviously Craylix and... humming and stuff and like he scary. and he admitted multiple times like I know this is not original like these I did this stuff intentionally like I, I've seen this in other things mm. before but it doesn't not make it scary mm. like that was the whole point and I think he did a great job he also kept mentioning he wanted a bigger house like it was supposed to really be sprawling like almost a mansion she was running through it was a to big get the house though well it was only a couple of sets
1: yeah but on. I mean she popped up there and was like looking down a really long hallway they yeah. didn't they did really well with the
0: size I thought oh, I it was too it's a, big I, yeah but he, I guess he just wanted the uh, more of a chase than. But than where would
1: this house be?
0: Yeah, I'm Prescott Lane. Sunny. There. Duh. You bastard. All this time you saw what it was doing to me.
1: All this time and you didn't say a word.
2: I wanted to.
1: Liar. In matters of tradition and protocol, I must answer to the council. My role in this
0: was very specific.
2: Right um. next to the pier.
1: Yeah right. I mean, is Kingman's this getting bluff. some? You're right, some ocean, you know, views. I mean, what's going on here?
0: Um, so I wanted just a, a couple more things about uh, the writing process. So this was interesting to learn that it takes about two weeks. He said from a story idea to the final script. So basically, the writers will have an idea as a group, and they'll make a kind of a draft, uh, or at least a really good story outline together, and then Joss uh, or whomever this. St- and whomever the showrunner is at the time so it was david Greenwalt walton at this present episode but then would later be marty noxon uh make what's called a beat sheet so basically the points they actually mm. really want to hit or flush out uh they give it back to the writers and then they make the entire script just goes over it again or whomever's the showrunner at the time and then uh, the actors get it the actors usually don't get it until about one to three days before they actually start shooting uh, and they, at this point in the show he said they don't even do table reads like they stopped doing that basically after the first season he's like because the characters know each other like they know their characters so well they the actors don't need to have the script there. but it was it's interesting to know that it's two weeks from the second from the inception of the idea to when a script is so once they actually start writing it's usually now in the fifth season being now uh five days that they get get them turned around so yeah that's i'd dense. recommend
1: anybody interested in that stuff go online and like breaking bad vince Gilligan and their team they put a camera in there, so you can actually view some moments of them going through breaking the story down of certain segments, whatever season you're watching for Breaking Bad and for Saul. And they do a podcast where they talk about the same stuff, which would be oh, fascinating to have today, you know, because it is DVD commentary. But they get you know whoever they get Saul or they get yeah uh, you know Odenkirk or whoever uh, in to talk about their acting on the episode, but also get the writers in to talk about how they wrote it and did everything, how they broke it. All That stuff, so if you're interested in that stuff, I think anything Breaking Bad Gilligan related, they're so open about their process, uh, that's fascinating, yeah. and that's really cool because, yeah, the actors get it so quick. I mean, they get it mm-hmm. right there, and they have to learn it, they have to go.
0: Well, he even like lauded Sarah Michelle Gallery. He was like, This he made the same thing you mentioned earlier, which is like this Tony Head and uh, Sarah, just amazing. Sarah's always amazing, yeah. like, and I bet I mean, it's was really was nice,
1: amazing,
0: yeah. Um, so one last thing to bring us back into the episode and away from David Fury commentary land, which if you have the DVDs, I suggest you definitely listen to it because it's really cool. Um, fans did not like the holy water trick. Apparently this is per David Fury's feedback he received and also other feedback he got from either fans or critics was that the episode was almost great. Uh, yeah. All right they didn't like the fact that there wasn't enough Scooby time and that they weren't, they didn't like the horror element. They didn't like the coolest thing about the episode. (laughs) I was like, that's stupid. Holy water for me. I think that was super ingenious how it happened. but aside, like yeah. the, the actual mechanics of it, but like.
1: It shocked me. I wasn't ready for so it. It's so
0: fucking cool. And I don't understand why people would be mad at it because I think it would totally work. Mm-hmm. Because the only other times we've ever seen holy water, it's literally setting them aflame. Mm-hmm. So why? It makes sense to me that it wouldn't, like, you know, fucking burn you from the inside. Yeah. He was disappointed how would, the actual effect turned out, because it ended up just looking like somebody being staked. Same exact animation. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wanted more like an acid-eating-away fire from the inside kind of thing. But you can only do what you can do. But I think the concept is really cool, and I don't know how you would do it, but being able to do it again would have been neat. But also just think about Bordello of Blood and the Super Soaker's full of holy water, and why the fuck don't we do that? Yeah. Before I was the Slayer, I was... Well, I... I don't want to say shallow, but... Let's say a certain person who will remain nameless, we'll just call her Spordelia. Look like a classical philosopher next to me. I think it's time that we yell some shit about this episode. Have some feelings. You ready, Daniel? You can start.
1: This episode begins with Buffy and Angel having sex fighting. And. Sex fighting? (laughs) And she jumps on top of him and asks if he's satisfied.
0: As a woman who has never been satisfied, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. You forget
1: yourself. You're like me. I'm never satisfied.
0: Is that right? I've never been and satisfied. And this episode's
1: called Helpless. And Helpless to Satisfied is some Hamilton shit. Lynn <laughs> Manuel Miranda and Sarah Michelle Geller are friends. And if you search them online, you can watch them have long Twitter conversations where they just share gifts back and forth. About Buffy and Hamilton. Did he get the helpless, satisfied songs from this episode? Who knows?
0: Probably. So I think. Uh, to piggyback on that, what the fuck are Buffy and Angel doing with three baguettes? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with three fucking baguettes? Where are these baguettes boyfriend. at? boyfriend. Where
2: are the baguettes at? On the at? table. There's They're like a spread with foreground. grapes and shit.
0: Three Ooh. I don't think baguette. it was on
2: a table. I'm pretty sure there was a blanket on the floor. Okay. And it was baguettes and like some grapes. Yes. Amazing. Like they were having I like a floor notice. picnic <laughs> and then just started like sex fighting and then she staked him with a baguette. Sex yes. fighting. A new thing. Yes. yes. Okay. Cisha? Um, Cuernavaca is in Mexico. Damn it. I was going to jump on
1: that. <laughs> I was going to look up more. It's... Did, I was hoping you would do Cuernavaca us. Well, you know, I'm way off my game. My game's <laughs> out the country. My game's in Cuernavaca.
2: <laughs> it's, it's
1: the capital of Morelos. the... The state of uh, in Mexico, hmm. south of Mexico City, and all I got is that it's the city of Eternal Spring.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's more than we got.
1: Yeah, built uh, there. You can go to the Palace of Cortez, built yes. in 1535. There's yeah. also a kite museum. I didn't get enough information.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Not as usually put together as.
1: <laughs> no. You brought up the the beginning of this episode. The beginning of this episode was incredibly jarring because it started with Buffy and Angel sex fighting uh, together. <laughs> And then it cut, hard cut, to her out with her big oversized rain jacket fighting a vampire. Vampire takes her over and is like, I'm going to stake you. And then we cut to the theme song. And then we cut back to Angel or to uh, Buffy then taking over the vampire and killing the vampire. And then we cut to the next, hard cut, (laughs) to the next day in school. It's a lot of cuts at the beginning. I was really nervous beginning this episode that this was going to be... Really disjointed. It's kind of surprising that this is one of the more focused episodes. Maybe the show has ever done. Yeah, I think that it, whoa, all that those intro those was cuts were bad.
0: intentional. I think it's like Buffy's fucked up, so we're gonna feel a little fucked up. But uh,
1: I don't know. But the beginning's not really fucked up. It's like daddy jokes and wanting to go to the ice capades yeah, and sex fighting that had nothing to do with like her having this problem with uh trying to kill the vampire. Like that was the crux. But it was weird that because they don't do that a lot. They don't cut to the credits and then come back to the same, same scene. scene yeah that was very weird and then just cut to, to school yeah and the cut to school makes sense like I, i'm i throwing knives and i don't know what i'm doing right but what's up with the sex fighting and stop know. saying daddy
0: <laughs> oh my god yeah most importantly oh yeah i mean we kind of already said this but hank's quarterly projections are unraveling Dad, what the fuck is that that's like saying some synergy b2b well i'm just saying words that mean business <laughs> And also, it's a fucking lie. He
1: definitely has another relationship and another kid.
0: Oh, yeah. He has a secret family.
2: family. Does it have to be secret? It does. Right. Um, piggyback- Piggybacking off of that, when Joyce, after she was like, yeah, your dad left the ice capade tickets behind for you. I could get someone to cover for me at the gallery. You already should have, Joyce! Joyce! Her dad already abandoned her, and now you're just going to go to work and leave her alone on her birthday?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to leave that to the ranking. But <laughs> absolutely, fucking is wrong with you? You don't ask if your kid wants you to take her somewhere on her fucking birthday. You just do it, Joyce.
1: <sighs> Mad. Bad ball. <mom>. Bad ball <laughs> alert. All I could think of when she brought up Brian Boitano is... South Park. I know the movie. <laughs> what would Brian Boitano do if, if he, were he were here, here right now? now he'd he'd probably kick an ass or two. two. That's, That's what, what Brian Boitano, Boitano do. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: <laughs> that was a big part of my uh, adolescent boy
1: Me like as well
0: life. If my boy life. Yes, it was yes.
1: Fine. It was part of my <laughs> rite of passage. <laughs> I'm forced say. to
0: watch the South Park movie on repeat. Was uh, it bigger, longer, uncut? That was the big
1: you, one, right? Yeah. That yeah. Was
0: the, okay. Uh, Willow's fucking hat in general fashion. Yeah, it's just. Awful. There's two hats. Both are terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. One's like a beanie style hat. One's like a bucket style hat. And they're mm-hmm. just both awful. I thought we'd move past this. Like, this is season three. What's You're worse? season one and two garbage.
1: Buffy's bomb hat or that hat?
0: Both of those are worse. I, I would take Buffy's little bomb hat any day. Oh, me
1: too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Who are you? How could you do this to me?
1: I am deeply sorry, Buffy, and you have to understand. If you I... touch me, I'll kill you.
2: Um... The hypnotizing rock made me think of that moment in Narnia when the fawn is like, come into my house. Ooh, I have a fire. Ooh, let me play a flute for you. Ooh, you're hypnotized. Now I'm going to take you to the queen so she can turn you into a stone statue. Except now I feel guilty and I'm not going to. You should go home. But it was like that weird moment where you see him and he like smiles and you're like, "Ooh, this guy's a villain. And like she's hypnotized and she can't do anything. And you have that moment with Giles too where you're like, yeah. Buffy is out, out of town. Yeah. <laughs> she's left the building. That was great. It was
1: really well done. And And I was scared about Giles. That (laughs) was great. Yes. Uh, Who is the guy that assaults Cordelia and then physically, like, assault and battery Mm -hmm. on Buffy? Like, that's some Sunnydale PD shit. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, remember me? I'm the guy that threw my stepdad off the fucking uh, staircase. And then you (laughs) also interviewed me about the dead kids that didn't really exist and the and, whole town went crazy. And you
2: also interviewed me when my Slayer friend was murdered in the library and I was the only suspect. Oh, right, right. right. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but also
1: I just got assaulted. Uh, believe me, please. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a believable character. Who yeah. was that okay, guy?
0: Yeah. I don't think we've seen that guy. That guy was yeah. insane. The worst. The yeah. worst. Does anyone else get like a Steven Tyler vibe from Jeff Cobra? Especially as Rack. He's just like this weird spindly like... You just see him with many scarves. Anyone else? No? Just me? No. <laughs> so let, that, let that ride. it's just you.
2: <laughs>
1: We're learning a lot about you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, the entire... I'm just going to yell about a thing in general, not a specific moment in the show. But it really irritates me, and I blame you, Joss, completely, because you have a problem with strong women, even though you pretend to like strong women, which is you create a slayer character because I wanted a superhero who's a girl who'd never think is a superhero because haha, women can't be superheroes. And then you give her her power, which is given to her by men, and maybe that hasn't been decided yet at this point, but it's given to her by a council of men, and a council of men take it away from her. Mm-hmm. Buffy, I know
1: you are... Definitely, without a doubt. Gonna get your powers back. Thanks, Will. But what if you don't?
2: It's not okay. And then especially to have this moment where Joss essentially... Knocks her out so she cannot consent to him poisoning her by literally penetrating her body with a needle. All of this is so incredibly messed up, and then for Joss to be like, my favorite scene was when she was screaming, "Help me!" <laughs> like, there's so many levels of wrong to this episode that just infuriate me. Like in turns, it just makes me angrier and angrier. So, uh, just to like encapsulate that in a moment in the show is when um, Buffy says, "I throw knives like," and then Doyle said, "A girl." Yeah. As if it was a sexism. bad thing. Yeah. The Slayer is a girl. Yeah. A girl throws knives like the Slayer.
0: And we could have just <laughs> said say that like, it like means... a human because you're a Slayer.
2: Or just like...
0: Or like a Giles, you probably would throw the same. Like thing. Xander? Like a Xander. <laughs> like, just like, let's throw a cutting cutting remark where it deserves. <laughs> oh, uh, a note on Xander from David Fury. Oh, no. Anything we can do to make Xander look foolish and weak, but follows up with, we love Xander. He's the character I relate to most. <sighs> feel better when i get my strength back
1: give you a hand with that little lady
0: you're loving this far too much
1: admit it sometimes you just need a big strong man (laughs) oh will give me a hand with that I mean, that's how I feel. <laughs> I mean, he's it's, it's pathetic, but he's definitely, but he has that every character, you know, that he's written yeah. like that. It's right, like, yeah. Yeah, you can't know, help but see He's meant real. to be like the yeah. cipher
0: for the audience. But I mean,
1: and it's true. He's, But yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I mean, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, Joss incredible. definitely has a fucked up relationship with women and sex and his mom, apparently, and just like a <laughs> lot of lot of shit. And
2: women and sex and his mom. <laughs> it's all a gross little circle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Man, Daniel, do you have
0: anything else to yell?
1: We talk a lot on this episode about Joyce, as we know. But we also talk (laughs) a lot about Angel and Buffy.
0: Never forget Angel's a pedophile. In case you forgot, we rehashed the part where he was scamming on her at 15.
1: We did. And, you know, again, the show wants its self-awareness. And it does this stuff for self-awareness. And a lot of shows do this because they need to wink-wink that they know what they're saying. But... I don't think they really do. They have ne- They don't. They're never going to grapple with this. It's super gross. It's never not going to be gross. Mm-hmm. But they want it to be like we get it. He's an old guy. <laughs> She's a young girl. <laughs> it's gross, but it's love. Like as if true love like trumps all. Mm-hmm. It's like no, that's not the way that that works.
0: Sorry. No. R.I.P. Hobson and Blair. We didn't know you. You're looking oh, at me God, like, the the p- that, oh, who the fuck are hooks are black? I love that we hell? didn't know them so
2: much. <laughs> Daniel was like, who? <laughs> uh,
1: I gotta go to the hardware store, boss. I
2: got uh, oh, yeah, okay. See ya. Bye. Yeah, I'm getting your pills. Just a second. Yeah,
1: chill out. <laughs>
0: that's it. That's all I got. Uh, spordelia.
1: Spordelia? Fucking
0: let <laughs> R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is really dead. That's sad.
1: Hey, sweet girl, how much for a lamp dance for me and my buddy? What? <laughs> I raged at this point. I was so mad, and the fact that Joss loves this it makes me infuri- it infuriates me. What town are we fucking in? Where is Buffy? Obviously, Prescott Avenue is like a thing, so maybe she's on that. Why is she walking alone at night? What? Like, where did this come from? She she's left trying to the- go
0: home. Do you left Angel's place, and she was going home?
1: And they just walk? They just all walk now? Have you
0: ever seen them in a car that wasn't driven by Joyce or Giles?
1: This is the suburbs. (laughs) Who the fuck are these people? Sunnydale
2: is very small, as we know. You There's just no have to small
1: walk past the, same the
2: warehouse district, the Ferris wheel, the pier, the, the blocks, blocks, it's big street, enough. It's
1: big enough to bronze. run and go underneath a chain link fence down a long alleyway. There's a huge intersection, which looks like two lane traffic going both ways, mm-hmm. just up the road. Run up, just up the road. No, she said she almost dies multiple times oh, yeah. by getting run over by a car. Mm-hmm. And Giles comes up and saves her. Uh, it's... Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love the reappearance of Buffy's depression overalls because she might be sad, but she still has to kick ass. (laughs) She did. She
1: did rock those depression overalls. The only final thing I've got just relates to Joyce. The rest of the Joyce stuff that I can uh, name. How awkward is it to talk shop at the very end with Joyce just hanging around as they're talking about Giles? Joyce, get the fuck out of here. Make the pancakes. (laughs) Get the fuck out. In fact, we'll make the pancakes. You don't know how. See you later. Uh, I love that she was like making dinner presumably for herself. She was never going to give Buffy food when uh, Buffy came in for the first time to find her. You know the flowers, mm-hmm. and, the, and the, she was just making dinner for herself. Oh yeah. And oh, I was her, like, there's nothing in that pot. Right? In that pot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then later we see her um, uh, signing checks as if she's got to pay those bills. She's not paying those bills.
2: Stacia, I was like, all she's thinking
0: about is bills, bills, bills. That's right. I was dreaming about bills.
1: Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about bills. And then Buffy said that I was just thinking that we should have a nice and quiet birthday. And then I was thinking, Joyce is thinking, good, because I had nothing planned
2: <laughs> for you. Regardless,
1: there's no dinner in here. I don't care when you were actually born. I don't know what your outline looks like. I know nothing <laughs> about you. In fact, I- enjoy rescuing me on your birthday later. We never really talk about her birthday again. It is her birthday. We never then go back to it because th- we never talk about it again, right?
0: Like in the show or in this episode? In this episode. It's, oh, yeah, no. That,
1: it is her birthday, right? That's oh, yeah. the thing. The birth of the buff. It's her birthday. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> she goes
1: off to save her mom. They talk shop at the end. The episode's over. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She didn't even go to the ice show. No, no. big fun for her.
0: I know. Yeah, no. It's real sad. It's real sad. Buffy has a tough life. Is it red kryptonite or is it gold kryptonite? I'm going to tell you real fast what it is. Green. Green kryptonite. Guess what? That's the classic most common one. Just weakens and can kill krypton- kryptonians. Kryptonians. Who knows? Uh, red. Weakens and causes mood swings slash mutations. Blue. Acts like green kryptonite, but only on Bizarro Superman. White kills plants. Gold removes powers permanently. <laughs> Silver causes hallucinations. Black splits Kryptonians into two people, one good, one evil. Orange gives animals superpowers. Periwinkle, that's fucking right, makes Superman loses inhibitions. One could say whiskey could achieve the same thing. There's also X Kryptonite, which gives people and creatures superpowers, see orange Kryptonite, and Anti Kryptonite, which is no effects on Kryptonians, but No effects? kills people i left one out though pink kryptonite which makes superman gay that is a real true canonical i was just DC thinking universe. this is like the pre- pride rainbow of
2: kryptonite
1: yeah that's <laughs> yeah. so much periwinkle out of nowhere <laughs> yeah wow and that's from they were david on the colors. <laughs> no no this, you just looked it up yeah this there. is
0: like the actual dc things oh, that have happened in canon Man. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's only one kryptonite for me, baby. Superman 1. Some of the worst movies of all time. Oh,
0: yeah. It's classic green. Classic green kryptonite. What is wrong with this world? Fucking. Oh, my God. I didn't know there were 12 of them.
1: All I got left are the watches. Xander. Button down tank top watch.
0: Did not happen. He did have a button down in two different scenes. One with a sweater over it and one uh, at the end. But no.
1: All I wrote was, "Did you see Willow's hat?" We about <laughs> Willow's hat.
0: <laughs> maroon jacket. That was watch. the right response. <laughs> no
1: maroon jacket, as far there as I can tell. was a red
2: coat. Yeah, a little red who? Riding Hood coat. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: right, the but red coat. That's a so. very nice and coat. And then,
2: uh, Kraylick wore. Yes, yes.
1: yes. With Once the, outline you see of, the you of when maroon put coat, it on, you'll know. If if you put it on, you have the outline of Buffy. That's just the way that coat yep. works. It's it's wonderful. That's not what it,
0: it will yeah. happen this season
1: though. Giles and Oz. It's still inconclusive. They, shoot, they <laughs> did share a scene with Wesley Watch. Wait for it. Wait for it. Two episodes. Uh, Devin Watch. No? He's not the bronze. I know. God, Probably we saw it him like
0: bronze four in episodes mile. in a row and now no Buffy more Bang
1: Watch. How's her hair going? Yeah, it's been
0: great. It's, they really figured it out. They have it parted, Uh, you know, kind of at her hairline, the corner of her hairline. And uh, it's, she it looks, looks good. good. Yeah.
1: She mm-hmm. looks good. Yep. Deputy Mayor Alan Finch Watch. No, mm. but we do get another foreshadowing with the stake. On uh, when the vampire puts it to sure, uh, yeah. Buffy's uh, Buffy's heart and asks if he's doing it right, another good. I don't. know, It's like it's really good. I'm yeah. really into. I don't know if they're really planning for it, but it's really the working. foreshadowing of well it was for stuck, me. Yeah, yeah. So, streets ahead. I did not pick up on Prescott Street. Prescott but Lane. Prescott Lane for is definitely a thing. So we're up to five streets now. We've got Crawford, Ravello, Maple Court, Sycamore, and Prescott, and potentially Kingman Bluffs Road. Or right. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Which does not actually count. And Giles most dangerous KO.
0: Didn't Early, get knocked out.
1: He did. He didn't get knocked out what's the worst that happened in him into this episode probably just being uh scorned by fired by buffy yeah Yeah. (laughs) his ego took a hit probably multiple times he
0: had a tussle with a vampire but
1: so currently still being bludgeoned by gwen post
0: number one that's gonna be the number one for a while
1: so i don't know do we need to initiate any new watches or
0: uh i don't i don't think so
1: i don't think so either. we're about to fulfill some of these so we have to think of more soon what's the watch coming up
0: all right i think it's time to rank this sucker if no one has any protestations, so this was tough for me. Everybody knows I game the system. I did my best because I really enjoyed this episode, um, along with Forever and Conversations with Dead People. I think these are those three episodes are the only time Buffy really gets scary. Scary. Um, and I well, think. Hush
1: too.
0: Oh, true. Yeah true Hush should have the best bad guys but I don't know about scary they definitely had a creep factor to them but, but um, forever
1: is a good one I never think of that as a horror but it truly oh is. yeah Joyce the did unbelievably scary
0: and I think Kralik is fucking fantastic um, the the whole theme of this episode is is deception and betrayal and the Little Red Riding Hood thing was intentional by David Fury. Apparently he didn't write in the script anywhere that she needed to wear that red hood. Either Joss told the um, clothing department or they picked up on it themselves. But, um, I mean, the whole idea of, of everything you know is a lie. These people that you, you put all your trust into can turn on a dime and, and fuck up your whole life. And I, I just think it's super powerful. Every scene with Buffy and Giles is just heartrending. It's It's just, I love it. But there aren't a lot of opportunities for my scoring system to make this episode succeed in the ways in which I want, speaking of Willow Hacks. Ah. Willow doesn't exist in this episode. So I had, I was like, Willow's Will- hat. <laughs> Willow's hat. <laughs> yeah. Willow Hacks. <half> <laughs> <that>. 2,000 points. <laughs> I should have done that. I should have done that. A smarter person. You can still do it. It has not been. We're not live. No, I already. Willow hats. She talks about the (laughs) neck.
1: Ten ten of ten.
0: Man, uh, (laughs) you're much cleverer than me. Willow hats. (laughs) as it as the person i am who is not that clever i kept it the same and i just lied and said that giles using magic crystals counted as something so i gave it a 6 instead of a 5 uh, oh my god joyce is a terrible mom i only took her down to a 3 again i had to make it work but we- she wasn't particularly Bad. It's the most egregious thing. Well, getting kidnapped because she knows the rules <laughs> and she dumb. fucking knows better, and that shouldn't have happened. She was paying the bills theoretically, and she so. was helping them make sandwiches at the end. Okay. Well, and you gotta
1: think she was making Buffy dinner at that moment. It's, like, all right, we'll get. See, she might get some fucking crumbs. The, and
0: the biggest thing was not taking her to the ice show. Not like asking if she wanted to go or putting like. I really don't want to take off a work, Buffy, Uh but I guess if I have to... Get somebody at the gallery. (laughs) The fucking gallery. That I work at (laughs) with my
1: co-workers. I still
0: had to take her down a couple notches for that, even even with my trickery. So, three. uh, Big bad. Again, Kralik, I love him. Ten to ten. Ten Easy. Because Mm -hmm. not only um, is he terrifying the character of but i also love the his face makeup looks flawless and for how many speaking like how many lines he has you can't tell for a second that he's really impeded he has a little bit of the list because of the fangs but like i think it's so well done. and his lips are like really cracked and chapped and like he just looks fucking crazy and personality as a personality
1: mm-hmm. that's that does not come often with uh some of the arctic bats
0: for sure so i think easy 10 mm-hmm. um so this is where the all the the contention kind of is between our relationships and Giles. So uh-huh. I, you don't want to double ding like it's not. And I also completely fucking lied on this anyway. So Giles, I gave a nine, and it's it's hard because hurting Buffy is the most un-Giles thing that he can do, I would think. But you got the Giles mobile, so you get a point there. He went all Ripper on Travers,
1: but also he is so conflicted about the council. Yeah, he but he's such a he is such a patsy for power but he wants to fight against it that's that punk element that ripper element right. but for some reason that we don't know of he he's become this middle-aged boring man who now is starting to through buffy and her friends rebel but he kind of gain back that confidence from him being in his 20s that we got to see him Band candy i find it amazing because when he was going through that horror house he fucking got the blood and then was like boom ripped off the fucking uh stairwell yeah staircase to make a stake like he has got Ripper inside of him but he's become such a fucking sycophant for for the council and for power for whatever reason we don't really know yeah true so I don't think it's against Giles at all I think him being him rebelling against it and also being so for it are very Giles
0: well that's where I came around to is like is it He's also doing this all for Buffy in the end. Like, yeah. he says, fuck you to the council, basically. I'm going to help her, right. which is very Giles in that rebellious nature element of it. And also just his caring for Buffy. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to override it. I know I'm putting my job in jeopardy, which is like the only thing I've cared about for as long as I can remember, but this is more important. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I gave it a nine. I took one point away from drugging Buffy. <laughs> because. That's fine. I think that's works. <laughs> really when well, we know that he loves Buffy, right. we know
1: the truth.
0: Right. So, uh, And then relationships. Uh, I gave it at eight again, mostly because I needed to. But uh, I, you know, I think that the Giles Buffy relationship is the thing—the only thing that brings it down—just because this is a, a kind of a, a huge roadblock for them that they're going to have to overcome. And they never quite get back to, to pre-drugging and hypnotizing. Or hypnotizing and drugging. But everybody else is great. And especially Cordelia. What a short, perfect scene to be like, oh my god, I'm so self-obsessed. And I'm a Bosby report. And blah, 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 blah. And then the second she sees the tone and Buffy's like, can I get a ride? And she, yeah. I don't know you. Did something
1: take her memory? He's Giles. Giles.
0: He hangs out here a lot.
1: Like the world's not over,
0: yeah.
1: you're going to hear from me.
0: But I just like that kind of supportiveness, like, I don't need to know what's going on. You asked me to do something. We're not friends anymore. Right, yeah. We're not friends anymore. These are pointed comments anymore. about how crazy you are.
1: Yeah. It's no, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. absolutely wonderful. And, and she's just going to go off to another show. We only have so much time left with Cordelia. It's I know. Like, it really does kind of, it kills you inside. Like, you expect to have we'll all have the time Cordelia. with her. And then she becomes a corp- you know, corporeal, incorporeal being, whatever you have to say. It.
0: Yes, that whole mess. Uh, and then also, I think all of our other friends are pretty supportive. Like, Buffy, we're, yeah, we're worried fine. about you. There's something wrong with you, clearly. And they're they're not there enough to be anything other than... Two scenes. Okay. Them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So give that an eight uh, episode specific. I had a tough one with this. So I guess a
1: 10 out of 10,
0: though. Oh, absolutely. A 10 out of 10. Uh, but so the bite me thing at the end, after Quinn's like, you did a good job. You should be proud of yourself. And she's like, bite me. Apparently... That was I mean, that's the first time she's ever said it, but David Fury mentioned that that ended up being like a tagline for the fans and stuff. He said he was like, I would see it on bumper stickers, and every time there was a media, like, press coverage about the show, they would say, bite me in it. And he's like, I didn't mean for that to be a thing. It was just kind of yeah. a line to say. Uh, so I, I put that as my episode specific just because whatever. But I think, I think Quentin Travers really sums up the whole thing where he's like, you have a father's love for the child, and that's useless to the cause. Because in that moment, you're like, we're a fucking shadowy entity that doesn't give a shit about you. You're just a tool. Um, and Giles, you're weak because you're, you care. And I think that was really what a good encapsulation. Coin? Yeah. What that, and, coin? and Giles saying, um, you're waging a war and she's fighting it. Yeah. I think was a really cool line too. And that's that cool. probably should have been it instead. Anyway, the episode just gets a 10 of 10 because it gets a 10 to of 10. <laughs> pick, pick your favorite. So that's 46 overall. And, uh, this puts it tied for band candy or tied with band candy for third. Stacey, are you ready? Yes.
1: And you, you was one for last week? Yeah, so I have to
2: do last week first, um, which I put Gingerbread at 18 out of 45.
1: Okay.
2: It's below Homecoming and Inca Mummy Girl and above Dark Age and What's My Land Part 2. Okay. So that's for Gingerbread. And then for this week, I put Helpless at 23 out of 46. So it's below Phases and I only have Eyes for You and above Beauty and the Beasts and What's My Land Part 1.
1: Okay. That works. Uh, For me, I'm putting this at number 66 overall. It would have been a lot, I think a lot lower if it wasn't for how good Giles and Buffy are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they carry the whole thing. Um, This was uh, another flimsy episode, but it reminds me a lot of uh, Prophecy Girl, where they're having that really intense conversation Mm -hmm. where Buffy says, I don't don't want to die. And this was another, how could you? Just the way she said, "Yeah, okay." Mm -hmm. I don't know you. Such good stuff. I mean, that was like you could just oh eat on that for days. Mm -hmm. It's so good, and that alone is like puts us up high. So sixty-six is pretty low overall because I don't think this is that great of an episode, but it definitely does a lot of really great things. Uh, Our main bad guy had such a meaty role, and he really lived up to it. That guy was great. He'll be back. He will be, and the music. I don't really recognize the music, and maybe that's on purpose. That's good, you know. It just kind of blends in so well. I didn't see, but this music was unbelievable. Christophe Beck, I assume. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This was the best music Perfect of the show. Work. It was so good, and it it, it it really heightened every moment that everything came up. Uh, so this is uh, at sixty six. It is above, you know, Gingerbread Revelations, Homecoming, the the latest ones we've had, but it is below uh, Band Candy. Which is my number twelve, and the Wish thirty four, Lovers Walk, and Amends are in the low fifties. So I don't think it's as good as those ones, but it's definitely better than most of this season. Yeah, but it's still kind of middling. And I think they get the show just gets better. It's better and better.
0: It does. Okay, I think that's uh that's about it. Stacia, do you have anything to say for yourself?
2: <laughs> have you ever thought about how, and this is all your fault, the birth <laughs> no. of the buff. Buffy was born in the buff. Oh yes
0: she was
1: (laughs) the birth of the well that's probably what xander was thinking
2: oh maybe
0: oh no gross okay daniel (laughs) do you have anything to leave us
1: with birth of the buff birth of the cool miles davis
0: god damn right uh that's it so next week please come back it'll be the 26th and we're gonna be watching daniel's favorite episode can't wait. Is it number one or is it just a no, no. top what five? No, no, no.
1: It's the Zeppo. And uh. it's is it a top ten? Yes. yes. Is it a top five? Probably.
0: Okay. Is it a bottom
2: ten? Probably. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm 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 very curious though, because this this season is uh I was really curious if I was still gonna feel a certain way. And they're
0: really good. Well, let's everybody task ourselves in this moment to think of meta moments in TV that meta uh, moments in TV uh, that That's were influential remember rememberable, memorable. Memorable. <laughs> but we'll see you next week to talk about the Zeppo. Uh, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey.
1: my heart.